I mean, I mean, they clearly Googled what is popular in 2015 and then just stripped down the top 10 hits to their, to their, you know, to their bones. Would it be so bad if an 84 year old got into heroin? Welcome to the cat organizational podcast. You idiot. It's written down in front of you, you idiot. This is like the buffalo chicken wrap of answers. I haven't heard about hot orcs in a while. We were so horny for motion controls in 2005. I can't wait to come back and tell you how it was Noah's Ark, you asshole. I would also like to retroactively say I've never had cotton candy acid. So Andrew's 100% doing a voice, right? Everybody get off IMDb now. Time to record. This episode and probably this whole this whole podcast is a mistake. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how no matter how much you think you know about the lore of an IP, you will never know enough to write the notes of a flavor text unassisted. Man, isn't that the truth? My last favorite episode we did is the one where we talked about how hard it is to write a flavor text. That's great. Yeah. I bet people listening want to know more about how hard our (laughs) jobs are. (laughs) This thing we do a couple hours a week while drinking. It's like, not even that it's hard. It was just the fact that I was like, yeah, man, I know a lot about the lore of Overwatch. And I sat down looking at a blank Word document. It was like, yeah, shit. Oh, I did that for... like the Animorphs one was like that too, where you just, you just like, you need something to start off of. Like you need your jumping off point and then you, you get to a, like a hairy detail and you're like, I get this wrong. The community is going to eat me alive. So I better go figure yeah. out which one's right. Yeah. Well, you, and you need to tease that all out of your subconscious. Cause I mean, I played yeah. 110 straight hours of the Witcher three end of the witcher <laughs> 2 end of seven books but like i don't just i can't just immediately recall all that information you know with with perfect clarity yeah that was exactly how i felt about overwatch like anytime somebody asks me a question i can dig the answer out of the recesses of my brain but trying to piece together a comprehensive timeline made me want to claw my eyes out Sounds about right. To segue, I can't wait to claw my eyes out after listening to this comprehensive <laughs> timeline of Overwatch. Why don't you hit us, Matt? Yeah, so today we are going to jump into a game that has eaten the quarantine of at least three of the four of us, Overwatch. Overwatch Woo! was... Yeah! Woo! Pretty good. Overwatch was released by Blizzard in May of 2016 as one of their new major properties. It is a team shooter, but one that revolutionized the genre by introducing heroes. Each player selects one of over 30 different heroes, all with different abilities, tactics, and playstyles. Overwatch has become one of Blizzard's most successful properties, logging 119 million play hours a week after its initial release, and total in-game spending crossing the $1 billion mark in June of 2019. Seems like a lot. Both of those numbers seem like a lot. Yes. Big numbers. Big money. It was a game made to dominate esports arenas and it sure was it did <laughs> i mean i this is so first off i am the minority for the first time ever in anything and in being the <laughs> one out of four that is not consumed by this game um but i will say i was at a like a bar and grill with my wife and her parents oh probably two years ago and saw that overwatch was on like it was being broadcast on TV at a bar. So you can go into any BW3s and if there's an Overwatch yep. game being played, they can they have to put it on the TV due to some sponsorship deal they have. So 
yep. which is that's, so cool. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Overwatch is a game that has like spawned a full Overwatch league consisting of actual professional teams in cities around the world. Uh, and Overwatch, I think, was probably the first game to really revolutionize and push forward esports. It combines all of the best parts of a lot of games like Dota I mean, before, 2. Before League of Legends fans eat you alive, we'll, we'll make sure we mention League of Legends because that's the real one that pushed the genre forward. But Also, Team Fortress should be mentioned. Yeah. Right, and so that's yeah. what I was going to say if you didn't cut me <laughs> the hell off. Um, games like Dota 2 and League of Legends and TF2, uh, all of these games that had a competitive scene and had esports uh, but weren't particularly consumable, uh, had all of their best parts yoinked and put together in Overwatch that was, I mean, it's still a competitive video game. It's still fast paced. It's still hard to pick up, but I would venture to say it's much easier to watch a game of Overwatch and understand what's going on than it is to watch a game of League of Legends or World of Warcraft Arena and try and figure that shit out on the fly. Oh yeah, that shit's a nightmare. Yeah. So today... I am forcing Andrew, nerf this Henderson, Kyle, I'm a one-man yeah. apocalypse Harper, and Todd, boop, Thomas, to have my wealth of Overwatch lore <laughs> knowledge dumped upon them. Andrew's is particularly funny to me because every time yeah. he gets killed by a D.Va blast, he just rages. It's All right. the worst. L- listen, listen. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring this up, but when I was watching this trailer, my only reactions to all of those characters is like, fuck D.Va. <laughs> fuck Reaper. Like all these characters that I don't play that I'm projecting my hatred for the people that do play them onto the characters that I'm so- themselves, which I'm sure they're great characters. D.Va, eh, not so much. But some of these characters are, are, are actually good characters, but the people that play them are not good people. Thus, my spite. Anyway, so one last thing before we jump in, I like to start these flavor texts by asking what you know of the game to begin with. Uh, And obviously, three of us that aren't Todd have played a lot of this game recently, so I won't ask about the game. But what do you know about the lore of Overwatch before we jump in? Andrew, we'll start with you. Very little names names about it from a little bit from reading some of the flavor text huh? yeah. uh, in in some of the skins, but almost none. Kyle, similarly, probably a little more than Andrew, just like from conversations with um, my brother who plays and like Overwatch taking over a bulk of Reddit for like the, for three years after it came out. I picked up a little more. I know some character relationships and like there's a good a good half of the cast and a bad half of the cast but not not a ton past that cool todd yeah i got nothing um what i will say is that (laughs) i'm i'm assuming that this is much like league of legends which i did devote a lot of time to for a while where there is in fact an overarching story and each character fits into it and as new characters are introduced they are woven into the fabric of the story. Um, may they be good guy or bad guy. Often they are linked to another character sometimes. Yeah, that pretty much hits the nail on the head. Uh, Overwatch started with, I want to say 24 heroes, but I didn't look that number up. 
Uh, and as they have built in the eight or nine new heroes since 2016, they have definitely tied all of them into the lore in one way or another. And as I was doing all of this over the last couple of days and putting things in order, I was really pretty impressed with how well they folded characters in. Nobody feels particularly shoehorned into the story. There are definitely some outliers uh, and some that have not been tied in quite as well, but it isn't a game that has a lot of loose ends that are or a lot of loose ends that have other loose ends tied to them to make a string. Um, and I was pretty impressed by that. Uh, 21 was the original. 21. Monster. I was close. Close. All right. So without further ado, let's jump into the lore of Overwatch. And the first question to ask is where, and that should be where slash when do we begin? Overwatch is set in an unknown future time on Earth, but all of the lore of Overwatch precedes the actual gameplay. So a phrase you'll hear me say a couple times today is in the present time of Overwatch. That means that it's happening at the time of the game. Most of what we're going to talk about happens before the present time of Overwatch, and that's where we're going to start. So we're starting around 2045, which is thought to be between 20 and 30 years before the current time of Overwatch, but none of the actual dates are particularly spelled out. For anyone who doesn't know, the game of Overwatch contains almost no story. There have been some web comics and cinematics, but the game itself doesn't have a campaign mode or anything. It's just... Yeah, it's entirely multiplayer. It's all multiplayer. Yeah. Until 2 comes out, which will have a campaign mode. Right, which I'm stoked for. Uh, all of this lore comes from cinematic trailers that Blizzard has put together, animated videos that Blizzard has put together, and then a series of about 21 to 29 web comics. I have watched all of the things. I have not yet read the comics, and I'm looking forward to doing that soon. We'll sort of talk about all of the media at the very end of this for people who are looking to go in a little bit deeper than the flavor text does. But to kick off our story, we begin with Horizon Lunar Base, which there is an accompanying document of pictures. It'll be posted as an Imgur link in the show notes. Horizon Lunar Base is number one. This And this is a map, yes? This is a yep. map, yes. Okay. Uh, Horizon Lunar Base was built by Lu Chang Interstellar. That's a name that you do not need to remember. Uh, they have all sorts of science that goes on on Horizon Lunar Base. They're genetics experiments. They have a hydroponics lab. The biggest advancement made on Horizon Lunar Base are an AI called Omnix. Now, Omnix are a highly intelligent robot AI. It's akin to any highly intelligent robot AI, whether you want to pick iRobot or a second example that I can't think of of highly intelligent robot AI. It fits into the genre very well. The Omnica Corporation took on the Omnic development from the scientists at Horizon Lunar Base, and that was headed by Dr. Mina Liao. She is picture number two in the picture documents. And Dr. Mina Liao moved the project forward with good intentions. So Omnica Corporation builds Omnium factories in every major metro area around the world. Omniums are AI-run Omnic factories, uh, and that's picture number three in the documents. That particular Omnium 
is in the Australian outback. And uh, the use of omnics becomes widespread throughout the world as labor, as all the other things that they use robots for. And uh, I, robot. I, see where the, I see where this is going. Yep. This, this is inevitable. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a song as old as time, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the first Omnic crisis happens in 2050. And this is the first major touchstone in the story of Overwatch. In-game or in-universe reporter Olympia Shaw labeled the Omnic Crisis one of the greatest threats to the survival of our species since the Cold War of the 20th century. But it was much, much worse than the Cold War ever was. The Omnica Corporation was found guilty of fraud and all of the Omniums were shut down. So they flipped the lights off on all of the factories, productions of Omnic ceased. Until suddenly, all of the Omniums restarted with their own, or restarted under their own accord with the goal of mankind's destruction. That's good. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Omniums are built with automated construction and run off of self-improving software. So the AI, after being shut off by humans, took it effectively as an attack and decided to turn around and take it out the other direction again it's a song as old as time yeah two things in your ai recipe that always go well never malfunction and um stay stable and safe the entire time so yeah good good job omnix (laughs) right so uh the omniums start turning out legions of bastion robots and that's picture number four in we know him the pics document Yeah. yeah uh so that is a standard bastion robot and they are a standard military unit. They could also take over larger military tech like Titan Walkers, not the Bastions, the Omniums. So the Omniums could produce all different kinds of Omnics and could also use their AI to take control of other Omnics that are in operation. Again, it's the same sci-fi story. Um, if you're not familiar and you're not looking at the pictures, Bastion is a it's a minigun on legs. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's a mini gun on legs that has another gun. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Bastions, they are the standard military unit because they have three forms. Uh, there is their bipedal walking form, which you'll see in the picture. They also have a turret form. They turn into a mini gun um, and are stationary, but are machine guns. And they also have a tank form and they become a, a little miniature tank that shoots highly explosive rockets. So, Omniums start pumping out Omnics. And again, Omniums have been built in every major metropolitan area around the world. Now, every country reacted differently as battles were waged and innocent lives were lost. Russia created giant humid-powered mechs called Sviatogors. Unfortunately, Sviatogors never come back, which is a uh-huh. bummer because they're really cool. Uh, I didn't include a picture of them because they never come back. The U.S. initiated a soldier enhancement program, superhuman strength, speed. As they do. As the U.S. (laughs) tends to do. (laughs) Germany created the Crusader armor, and a modern-day order of knights became the Crusaders to defend the front lines of Germany. And 
this town in Africa that will become very important later called Nambani had this one guy uh, who was Swahili. His name was Adubu Ngami. He was the first Doomfist hero and is known as the hero of Numbani. He never comes back outside of his name. That's that's all we get of him. Doomfist is so rad as like a name. And I know that's also a character. So the Doomfist in game is not Abadu. Right. Adabu. Yeah. Okay. This He's is like a Black Panther, right? This is the first Doomfist and there are three Doomfists. Gotcha. Adabu Ngami isn't called Doomfist, but Adabu Ngami means Doomfist in Swahili. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah. And uh, he has the first Doomfist gauntlet, which really is just like iron brass knuckles. Uh, it's not quite as advanced as the Doomfist we'll we'll see later. Uh, but he is the first of three Doomfists. Gotcha. So those are some of the different countries' reactions to the Omnic Crisis. And now we are going to move into the creation of Overwatch. So no one group could handle the Omnics. The United Nations looked to create the Overwatch Task Force, made up of elite soldiers with, quote, remarkable ingenuity and acclimation to the new type of warfare wrought by the Omnics. It's... A very similar story to why the Avengers exist and why the Justice League exists. And uh, yeah. all yeah. of those There's an things. equation that we're filling here. It's Blizzard's Justice League. Like, yeah, yeah it really is. Yep. Um, part of the reason that I think Overwatch has such a good story is because they just followed the template of every genre that is really popular and was really popular in 2016. It's sci-fi, it's superhero, it's vigilante, and they just checked the boxes and they didn't bother overcomplicating things. And I've got to give them credit for making a very generic story and making over a billion dollars off of it. Yep. So <laughs> United Nations looks to create Overwatch and they pull in uh, the founding members. Soldiers like Jack Morrison and Gabriel Reyes. Uh, somebody just changed his last name in the notes. Sorry. What was that about? Um, <laughs> Jack Morrison and Gabriel Reyes they're two Americans from the classified soldier enhancement program they are pictures number 5 and 6 in the document Anna Amari is number 7 in the pictures document she is an elite Egyptian sniper Torbjorn Lindholm is an engineer and weapons designer from Sweden and Mina Liao of Singapore she was the doctor who helped develop the Omnics and she was invited to join personally by Jack Morrison. She was hesitant at first because she was under the impression that she created the Omnics and created this crisis. Why should she be on the team trying to pull it back together? And Morrison convinced her, saying, who better to help us defeat this force than you? And she joined up with his suggestion. No picture for Mina? Uh, not yet. You'll get one okay. for... Or Actually, I'm sorry. No, she's number two. Uh, we talked about her. Oh, earlier. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Mina is number two. And the last member, the sixth member of Overwatch, was Baldrick von Adler. He is picture number nine, a Crusader knight positioned at Eichenwald. And he was the, again, sixth soldier to be invited mm -hmm. to Overwatch. Now, unfortunately, when Overwatch was called together initially, Von Adler was mortally wounded in an Omnic attack, 
and handed his invitation off to Reinhardt Wilhelm, who is picture number 10 and is the crusader that we have in the main game. Uh, the picture that I have of him in the document is of current Overwatch time or at the current time of Overwatch. He was much younger when he accepted the invitation from okay. Von Adler to join. Cool. Wilhelm or Reinhardt Wilhelm was initially very against Von Adler joining Overwatch, saying, why would you fight for a secret organization when you could have your glory defending our homeland in Germany? Um, he's very much a German nationalist in a very like prideful way until <laughs> Von Adler dies and tells him that he needs to fight a bigger fight. And he has a, a big turn of heart and becomes a public shield. So Reyes was picked as the original team leader and Overwatch was able to destroy most of the Bastion robots and dispel the Omnic forces. The remaining Omnics signed a peace treaty with humanity and ended the first Omnic crisis. Ooh, you said first. That, yes. That, that, means, that means something. And it peace does. treaty with robots never works out. No. See, also, yeah. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The Check Terminator franchise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Checking boxes left and right. So let's talk about a post-crisis world. The end of the Omnic Crisis was a victory for humanity, but the toll on Earth. Sorry, was great. when you said post-crisis world, a chill went down my spine because it's like, oh, that's yep. now. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah. Well, it's we're. I don't know that we're post yet. I think we're in yeah. crisis right now. Uh, if anybody is working on an Overwatch organization, I would like to be a part of it. Anyway, <laughs> the toll on the Earth was great. And some areas saw economic booms, but a worldwide financial crisis loomed. The Earth had plenty of physical scars as well. So here is a bit of a list of some different areas of the world and how they look after the Omnic crisis. Australia tried to make peace with the Omnics and offered them land in central Australia along with the country's Omnium. This didn't sit well with some of the residents of the Outback and they formed the Australian Liberation Front. The Australian Liberation Front tried to destroy the Omnium, but caused an explosion when they overloaded the core and turned the entire outback into an irradiated wasteland. Whoa. Hate to see it. Yeah, hate to see it. <laughs> In Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, uh, that city suffered heavy bombardment during the Omnic Crisis and went through massive economic upheaval. Many citizens fell into poverty or effectively became slave laborers for the state. This has me wondering if somewhere in Blizzard archives there's like rendered footage of the the Jesus statue getting destroyed that is just like oh yeah, shelved shut away forever so that they don't get yelled at. But but like really cartoony like Overwatches, yeah, like, yeah, uh, of course, no, with no details on it. Yeah, yeah. I never. I've been reading about Rio all day long and I never thought about the big Jesus statue. So <laughs> no one ever does. It's the first thing that I <laughs> is, think of is when Rio, I hear of Rio. Rio's a map though, right? Yeah, it is. Yep. Yes. And um, there is no big Jesus statue in the map. There is There's not. not. Uh, sorry, I didn't include a picture of Rio. That's my bad. Mia Copa. So uh, that's Rio. Moving on, much of India's population was displaced by the crisis but it did see the founding of the Vishkar Corporation, 
an organization that pioneered hard light technology, uh, which is the ability to make solid matters out of light. The Vishkar Corporation used this tech to build a new city in central India called Utopia. If you look at the pictures document, that's picture number 11. Uh, I'm sorry that I didn't include Rio, which is a map currently, but I did include Utopia, which is rumored to be a map in Overwatch 2. Satya Viswani uh, became a leading engineer in hard light technology. She sought to spread its advance all over the world. Satya Viswani is picture number 12. Those of you who play Overwatch will recognize her as Symmetra. Symmetra's uh, red. Yeah. Yeah, Symmetra's very cool. Uh, she sought to spread the advances of hard light technology all over the world. Most of Mexico's infrastructure and power grid was completely shattered during the crisis, plunging the country into a period of literal darkness. Locals called it La Media Noche, or the Midnight. Lumerico rose from the ashes of the crisis in Mexico to build a new power plant to replace the ones destroyed in the war and provide clean and affordable energy to Mexico. There are a lot of political names and different political actors and different corporations that will come up through all of this. And if they don't have a picture with them, unless it's Rio de Janeiro, they don't come back. So Lumerico plays its role in uh, some characters' backstories, but isn't particularly important to the story. Russia managed to defeat many of their territory's omnics during the crisis before Overwatch was, su- uh, was sent in, and they shut down the Omnium in Siberia. That's picture number 13. Do you want to know how I know that it's, it's, it's Russia? Now, granted, there's no bears in it, but there's, <laughs> there's a very Tetris-looking palace, so I'm glad yes. there's yeah. some sort of you know anchor point that I know. Gotta, gotta know it's Russia. Right. There's snow on the ground. They're all wearing black, white, and red. Yeah. Typical Russia things. Uh, I did include a picture of that Omnium because it will come back. So remember the Omnium in Siberia. Uh, however, the surrounding area after the Omnium was shut down sustained heavy damage from the crisis. Volskaya Industries, which is another map and is picture number 14, became the company in Russia to take advantage of a new mechanized workforce. Alexandra Sarianova was one of many children who had to grow up in a war-torn and post-war in Siberia and would eventually become an elite Russian soldier herself. Uh, she is picture number 15, and you will know her as Zarya. Yeah, she's... She'll murder you. Yeah, yeah Zarya fucks. Yeah, dude. She is She is a brick shit house. Yeah. Yeah. She is actually a professional weightlifter in Russia before she is activated as a soldier. And actually, it was was on the eve of her championship weightlifting competition that she was activated as a soldier, which was like a random little blurb in the lore that I read. And I was like, that's kind of a bummer. Why would you include that? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's classic, like, hero backstory stuff where, like, the most important night of their life is also now tied in like tied into their origin story for being a hero it's it's fun right yeah her cannon just like fires energy That's it awesome. does yeah it does and it's rad 
Um, I <laughs> hate yeah. playing against Zarya. I'm, she's. I think she's one of the hardest tanks to play against. Yeah, yeah, I for super sure. Agree. It's also one of those characters that like you have to have a genius level IQ to get the meta down, uh, and mm-hmm. I don't. I just don't. So, back to the story. You have the Vishkar Corporation, Lumerico, Volskaya Industries, all of these large companies that are pushing the economies of, or I'm sorry, all of these large corporations and businesses that are pushing the economies of their countries forward. However, the rise of these large companies wasn't all hunky-dory around the world. There had not been much improvement in the remains of the Australian outback, and those who remained after it became an irradiated wasteland uh, built a new lawless and barterous society called Junkertown. It was Fallout. They did Fallout. They did a Fallout. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Junkertown is picture number 16. It is my favorite map in Overwatch. I love Junkertown. Jameson Fox and his crime accomplice Mako Rutledge were born and raised here. You will know Jameson Fox as Junkrat and Mako Rutledge as Fuck Junkrat. Fuck yeah. Junkrat. Uh, Roadhog's stomach tattoo is not okay. Is upsetting. upsetting would be a word (laughs) yeah um there is a disappointingly small amount of lore for Junkrat and roadhog as it pertains to the large story they sort of have their own buddy cop story in the comics of going off and just wreaking havoc and causing terror all over the world because they just travel around and do crime because that's what they like to do is crime if an Overwatch show ever gets made, I want it to be a buddy cop cartoon with those two because they're they're a blast. Um, Man, Roadhog is Roadhog is a, such a fun tank to play, and if I can ever get the mechanics of Junkrat down, he'd fuck be Junkrat. My DPS. <laughs> Definitely funk Junkrat. Hate him. Uh, Roadhog is my go-to main, so I have a couple of fun facts about Roadhog. Thing number one is that he has brass knuckles that say left and right on both of his hands. I like that a lot. Uh, Thing number two is that Roadhog has a motorcycle. It is, of course, his Roadhog. And it is apparently Uh. the only vehicle in the world that still has wheels. Every other vehicle floats, but Roadhog's motorcycle has wheels. That's a very, um, the the iRobot, the Will Smith iRobot movie thing. That's that's lifted right out of that. That's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I like them a lot. They have a lot of story in the comics, but it doesn't really pertain to the rest of the main lore story. So as much as I want to talk about them more, we're not really going to hear much more from them today. So his name is Roadhog. Yep. And his stomach tattoo says wild yep. with a pig underneath it. So I read that as wild hogs. So in my mind, Roadhog is Tim Allen. Oh, I was going to say John Travolta. Uh, but I mean, that's okay too. <laughs> either, either or. Yeah. Either one works. <laughs> so back to the story. After the Omnic crisis, something to the tune of 30 million children were orphaned during the war. And that includes future hacker Olivia Colomar of Mexico and future medic. This is the only name that I'm convinced I'm not going to say right. Jean-Baptiste Augustin of Haiti. I think it's Augustine. I think you can. Yeah, I've heard Augustine. It could be everything I saw today had it end with like an Anne, like a an Akron Anne. Yeah, it's <laughs> it'd be French. So 
I don't know. I don't know French. Uh, But their picture is 19 and 20. They eventually will go on to become Sombra and Baptiste. We won't talk about them for a little while, uh, but this is their first introduction. So this is pictures of them as they are in the present time of Overwatch. They are children in the time we are talking about right now. So that's that, but it wasn't all bad after the crisis. The city of Numbani was built on the edge of the African savanna. It was called the City of Harmony. Numbani was built by humans and omnics who lived together in peace. It's one of the greatest and most technologically advanced cities in the world, and it annually celebrates Unity Day, a holiday set aside for the unity of humans and omnics. It is another map in Overwatch, and it is picture number 21. Also, after the Omnic Crisis, a group of Omnics retreated to the Himalayan mountains and became monks, where they had what they called an enlightenment under the guide of monk Takarta Mandata. He is picture number 22. Okay. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> that That is a thinly veiled excuse for like, can we want to do monk shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The idea that like these robots went on a on a religious pilgrimage. Fuck off, Blizzard. I mean, I kind of like the idea of like this once violent AI like going <laughs> to the mountains and be coming down peaceful monks. But you're how right. else are you going to get a robot monk? Which I know is definitely a character in this game. There's okay, so not to get off too off topic, but the story of uh, Near Automata, which I know none of you have played, but is I promise you is a very good and very popular game. Um, Near Automata takes place in a world like 500 years after civilization, where robots rule, and robots' only programming is to um, to mimic humans, like to learn about and mimic the humans that preceded them. And there is a storyline about a bunch of robots finding God, and it's the funniest thing in the world. But that's immediately what this made made me think of is like the idea of robots, um, <laughs> basically having a religious experience because that's what they've picked up humans doing. I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's really yeah. good. It's really interesting, and I think it's kind of funny because of all of the, you know, backstories of characters to build in. If I were making a team shooter game, I would not pick peaceful Himalayan monk as a backstory for one of my characters. <laughs> and Blizzard did that, and I have to give them a golf clap for that. But uh, Monk Takarta Mandata comes back. Mandata is not playable character Zenyatta. So Mandata no. is a different monk than Zenyatta. And Don't get him important. confused. Right. <laughs> Absolutely don't. This isn't the best comparison, but the the way I think of like that the Zenyatta robot is like how Super Smash Bros treated Rob, where there are a lot of Robs, but only <laughs> one playable Rob. Um, there are a lot of robots that look like Zenyatta, but only Zenyatta is the playable one. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually a really perfect example for Bastion, too. And we'll get to yes, that way yep. later. It, but. It's like Ash's Pikachu. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> like, there are a lot of Pikachu, but only he is Pikachu. <laughs> I think Ash's Pikachu might be the best, like, title of that niche character. Not niche is the wrong word. That token character. Yeah. yeah. Archetype. Yeah. Token. Archetype. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The yeah. Ash's Pikachu archetype. Uh, my last thing about the post-crisis world is that Overwatch built echo points all over the world to mitigate the environmental effects of the crisis. And these were just environmental research stations. The one that we know the most about 
is Echo Point Antarctica, which is not a map or something that you really needed a picture of, but is on the lower end of the list for rumors of Overwatch 2 possible maps and PBE. Cool. Any questions as it pertains to the Omnic crisis or the post-crisis world right now? No, this is cool. I like this. It's it's mm-hmm. like you said, it's very straightforward. It like it gives it brings in like I love the idea of just bringing in like we're all the countries dealing with this and it gives us excuse it gives them an excuse to build all these like smaller factions. I again, yeah, similar to Andrew, don't have any questions, just really like that this is kind of a post-apocalypse story that's like post the post-apocalypse. Um so we get to see like the rebuilding and like the tech that gets used and and um all the the representation of like all these major countries too um it's very good world building from yeah. blizzard which yeah. isn't surprising cuz blizzard does very good world building right it's it's blizzard's bag uh yeah. and really nailed it with this one mm-hmm. so with all of that said we are going to move from the formation of overwatch and the post-war world into what's referred to as the golden age of Overwatch or the age of heroes. So this is after the Omnic crisis, but now we have this global fighting force of Avengers. What do we tell them to do? So Overwatch became the new force to ensure world peace and stability. They took on terrorists, dictators, rogue Omnics, and they also oversaw rescue missions and rebuilding projects 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 from natural disasters <laughs> overwatch prospered for decades thanks to new members like medical operative angela ziegler of switzerland who became the head of medical research she is picture number 23 you will know her as mercy yeah my girl mercy andrew's girl mm. every overwatch team needs a good mercy main every overwatch team needs a mercy main yep so children born during this time were dubbed the overwatch generation one of those children is Faria Amari, daughter of Overwatch founding member Anna Amari. She is number 24 in the pictures, and you will know her as Farah. Oh, I, I like didn't know Farah was Anna's daughter. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, they are both of Egyptian descent, if you're curious. I thought it was cool because that lines up with the different tattoos that they both have. Yeah. They have, like, yeah. matching eye tattoos. I, I noticed that, too. That's pretty cool. Mm. She, f- she flies and shoots... Um, it's rocket launchers, Todd. To oh, what is that? Yeah. That's like an old. That's an old like Egyptian. It's like the eye, the eye, the eye of some yeah. Eye yeah. of Osiris, maybe. It's been a long time since I've seen Yu-Gi-Oh. So hold on. <laughs> 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 Yu-Gi-Oh being the definitive source of all Egyptian. Oh, uh, I mean, oh I'm sorry. Was it not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing that I thought they did really well is so, Eye of Ra. Ah, the Eye of Ra. Got it. Um, characters have. Some characters have announcements, uh, cinematics. Some characters have origin stories, yada, yada, yada. I think that it is Anna's origin story that has her writing a letter to her daughter, Faria. And the letter they wrote is all in Sanskrit. And what I can read Hmm. or what I read on the Internet is that it's accurately translated. So good for you, Blizzard. You did a good thing in the background. So, um... Those are a couple of new members. Uh, obviously, Farah doesn't join Overwatch right away as she is born during this time, but Mercy joins the crew. 
Now, Gabriel Reyes was the de facto leader during the crisis, but the UN named Jack Morrison as the first commander of the new Overwatch due to his ability to, quote, bring out the best in those around him. This was the start of a rift between Reyes and Morrison. Gotcha. I'm watching. I'm I'm seeing it happen. Cool. (laughs) Rifts between two major characters always end up well for both. Right. Another story from the golden age of Overwatch is when Reinhardt and Torbjorn become great friends. 24-ish years before the present time of Overwatch, a strike team including these two, Reinhardt and Torbjorn, and Emery Suraglu, uh, another name that I definitely butchered and also does not come back, led by Anna Amari, went to Istanbul to snuff out a pocket of Omnic Resistance. This is called Operation White Doom. The mission was successful, but Reinhardt and Torbjorn were both injured. Torbjorn lost an eye and an arm, but Reinhardt saved his life. In return, Torbjorn insisted Reinhardt became the godfather of his firstborn child and pick her name. And that child is uh, Brigida Lindholm. Oh, shit. I didn't know that Sick. either. Yeah. I knew, That's cool. I knew there was a relationship between Reinhardt and Brigida. Um Operation White Doom is the coolest name for an operation yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Um. See, now that's a comic. You guys said you would watch the the uh, Roadhouse, and I'm sorry, Round Road. Damn it, <laughs> Roundhog. I would Roadhog watch Roadhouse. And, yeah, and Junkrat. Um. I would totally watch Torbs and uh, Reinhardt, best buddies, best Swedish buddies. Let's yeah. let's Reinhardt's just journey. let's just call it call it even and just like bounce back and forth between the two buddy cop shit like episodes. Yeah. And then they meet up in the season one finale and season <laughs> two, season two is the rest of overwatch joining those four. That's, eh. that's, the I'll watch solve. season. I'll just watch season one. <laughs> that's a good show and I want it and I'll watch every episode yeah. all the time. Um, but yeah, so uh, Brigida is Torbjorn's daughter and is the goddaughter of Reinhardt. That'll come back a little bit later because she spends a lot more time with Reinhardt than she does with Torbjorn. Overwatch grew in power and influence and moved beyond paramilitary, pil- fuck, paramilitary and peacekeeping operations, uh, sparking innovations in science, medicine, etc. Overwatch grew in size too, bringing on new members, including Winston the Gorilla, uh, he is picture number 26, but or he whatever. is number 28 of 28 genetically altered gorillas at Horizon Lunar Base. So he is okay, picture can- number 26, but he is genetic operative number 28. Yes. And I, real quick, I need to talk about why I hate Winston because it's not like a real reason. It's okay. So I haven't, I've only, uh, the three of us have really only played, I believe, uh, the Switch version of Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I avoided Overwatch like the plague when it came out in PC. Um, I did like one free trial weekend and I was like, eh, um, cause I don't play a lot of multiplayer games. But so I've, I've only really played it on Switch. But when you, when you turn on the Switch and if you leave it run <laughs> for like 30 seconds, the fucking cinematic that plays is the same every time. And it starts with Winston eating a sandwich, but you just hear, <laughs> mm. every time and i'm so done with it so that's like every time i see winston i hate it because i just hear just like that gross humming while he eats anyway go ahead matt yeah that is from a cinematic called recall 
um, which is part of the big like Overwatch announcement cinematics. Mm-hmm. Our big complaint being they should they should ch- cycle through some cinematics in that um, <laughs> when you when you linger yeah. on it too long, or just let you linger on the main screen too long and not give play me. A cinematic. Yeah, give me a, a thirty seconds more of a buffer or something, or just yeah, uh, or turn the sound down on the <laughs> <laughs> anything. All right, so let's get some backstory for Winston. So he, like I said, was 28 of 28 genetically altered gorillas at Horizon Lunar Base. He might have been one of only 27 genetically altered gorillas. One of the subjects, (laughs) one of the genetic subjects is a hamster, and it hasn't really been confirmed or denied whether or not the hamster is one of the 28 or is another genetic experiment. Is it possible that like it's not confirmed that all 28 were gorillas and it's just a smattering of animals? Or is there, did you find in your notes that it's like Winston and a bunch of other gorillas were on the moon base? Yeah. So it's primarily gorillas and that's confirmed in a couple of comics and cinematics. Cool. Um, The only non-gorilla test subject that we know of is the hamster. And we'll get to him in a couple minutes. But the other 27 parentheses, maybe 26, gorillas revolted against the scientists of Horizon Lunar Base and jettisoned them all out into space. I've seen this movie, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the gorillas decided to stay on the base. But Winston, who had formed a really close relationship with the scientists working with him, built a rocket and escaped. Winston is the gorilla that the genetic experiments had the best effect on, and he didn't have any sort of negative effects or anything like that uh, that the scientists observed, that they did observe in the other gorillas. So he is, in theory, smarter than all of the other smart gorillas on Horizon Lunar Base. Okay, so if we're keeping with Pokemon connections, he's Meowth. Yes, he's a hundred percent meow. And and if we're keeping the the Justice League comparisons, he's good good Gorilla Grodd, Gorilla Grodd, but not a bad guy. <laughs> what? What are, what did you just say? Gorilla Grodd. Yeah. What is what is that? That's a that's a flash a flash bad guy. Yeah, a genetically altered telepathic gorilla that is flash one of Flash's rogue gallery in Flash's yeah. rogue gallery. <sighs> okay, you don't that's know, what we you don't know uh, Gorilla Mr. Grodd. Paste pot Pete, you're gonna roll your eyes at a, <laughs> yeah, a telepathic eyes. <laughs> He's turned Superman into a gorilla multiple times in DC's well, and continuity. <laughs> and that was the first sign that the DC Flash TV show was gonna be successful when they teased Grodd. And it was like, well, now we have to stick around. And then yep. eight seasons <laughs> later, it's the best show that DC's done. Uh, anyway, right. Matt, back to the thing we're doing. <laughs> yeah. I would just like to say that I think good Gorilla Grodd sounds like a terrific Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor. (laughs) (laughs) Banana and, I don't know, computer chips? Like Rocky Road with banana, I think is what I was thinking. that's a good idea. There it is. Yeah. That was good. That was really good. (laughs) Ben and Jerry's, call us. We're we're willing to sell that idea to you. (laughs) There's some sort of joke in there about, like, you need to take some time to think about the food you're eating or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Winston's escape pod crashed on Earth and was found by Overwatch. After they found his escape pod, he was recruited to the team. It is believed that Horizon is still operational, but there is no direct communication with the facility. 
So while that happened, test subject number eight, a hamster named Hammond, who is picture number 27 in the document. The hero Ooh. of the story, if I had to uh, guess. <laughs> so Andrew talked about visceral reactions to characters earlier. Um, <laughs> yep. Hammond is one for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hammond is the worst. Does, uh, does anybody not hate Wrecking Ball? I already can't aim. So when <laughs> Wrecking Ball starts oh, swinging around like a like a jackass, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I do think that Wrecking Ball is easily the most adorable Overwatch character. Oh, he's and great. His new anniversary submarine skin, which I did not include in the pictures document, is very, very good. But test subject number eight, a hamster named Hammond, also built an escape pod and tethered it to Winston's rocket. Unfortunately, the tether broke inside of Earth's atmosphere and Hammond crashed in the Australian outback. He modified his escape pod to become a walking mech suit and became a renowned gladiator of the Junkertown Scrapyard, where he developed the moniker Wrecking Ball to keep his identity a secret. Because there are so many other super intelligent hamsters that he can hide amongst that he mm. needs that a secret <laughs> identity will work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm going to throw out a couple of names that are operatives who join Overwatch later on. It was just easier in the flow of this story to include them here. Uh, because they don't really play into the rest of the lore. So a couple of Overwatch names that aren't part of the team in the current time that we are talking about, but become part of the team soon. By the t by present Overwatch time, they're part of the team, but in the golden age of Overwatch that we are talking about, they are not. Correct? Yeah, so that is correct, but they become me they become members of the team long before the present time of Overwatch. Gotcha. We have a whole story arc of Overwatch to get to before the present time of Overwatch, and they join in the story arc that is currently happening. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So about 20 years before the present time of Overwatch, South Korea developed a new type of mech suit called Mecha to defeat a kaiju-sized Omnic that emerges from the Eastern Sea every couple of months. As they are wont to do. <laughs> I appreciate that the Omnic that decided to attack South Korea did so in such a culturally relevant way to South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so every couple of months, this giant Omnic shows up and South Korea sends these mechas out to take out the Omnic. And every couple of months, this fight just ends in a stalemate. So every couple of months, it comes back. Now, an undetermined amount of time after the Mecha program was started, South Korea looked to recruit professional gamers to pilot the Mechas. Mm -hmm. Sure, yep. as okay. they do. I also saw this movie. Yep. I've seen all of these movies. <laughs> yeah. We talked about this. This is also a, a anime. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, one of those professional gamers was country champion Hana Song, also known as Diva. She is picture number 28. Game, gamer tag Diva inserted for every game. So every gamer nerd can have a waifu to fall in love with. Yeah. yeah they, needed, they needed to do iAnime, and here we are. <laughs> yep. Every game needs an Asuka, and Diva is that Asuka. Mm. 
So she became the country's top mecha pilot. And D.Va was recruited by Overwatch as its youngest recruit at some point. It's not super specific as to when she joins the team, but she was 16 when she started piloting the mecha. Another new recruit of Overwatch was the former test pilot, Lena Oxton. She was a test pilot in Overwatch's experimental aircraft division, and her pilot call sign is Tracer. And she is Uh. picture number 29 in the document. Now, during a test for a teleporting aircraft called the Slipstream, Oxton disappeared, only to reappear several months later, suffering from something called chronal disassociation. Oxton was a living ghost whose corporeal form couldn't stay anchored to the present time because her individual anatomy had been set out of phase with the current flow of time that we all exist in. I've seen this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. this is pretty Captain Marvel-ish, uh, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, oh, she's Captain Marvel. Yeah. Ant-Man and Wasp, but yeah. And yeah, also that. Also very much that. Um, Ghost. There was an, that I think that, that was an X-Files, too, or something. Yeah. Remembering? Yeah. Maybe it was an episode of, uh, what was that show? Wow, this Agents is really good Shield. content. Fringe? Is that the show? Fringe, yeah, I think it was an episode of Fringe. Yeah. I mean, it's also, yeah. it's also just Quantum Leap. Like, it's so many <laughs> <things>. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, after the accident, uh, they Overwatch brought Tracer in. They managed to contain her in a room so that she wouldn't be lost in space-time until Winston was able to build her a chronal accelerator, which granted her control over this condition, thus cementing the best friendship and the next buddy cop pairing of Tracer and Winston. I'll skip that one. <laughs> Not as fun as the other two. Yeah. Yeah. She's um she's from the UK, Andrew, not Australia, as you previously. Oh, I thought she was Australian. You, no. no, she is from uh specifically London. She is from London, England. Is there a reason in the lore why she kind of just became the um like the mascot for Overwatch, or is it just marketing mumbo jumbo? Marketing. Marketing. Uh, probably. Hundo yeah, percent marketing. Yeah. I think yeah. I think the line Cute girl, the pixie cut, boom, yep. done. I was gonna say, I think the line "Cheers, love the cavalry's here" said by a cute girl with a pixie cut in an English accent cemented her as with, with uh, the like the the cool blinky powers. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. yeah. It, it's yep. a it's a you know a mascot made in a in a lab of marketers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we're being completely honest, Tracer might have the most unique backstory to her power um sure the whole like chronal disassociation thing is very while it's still a trope in sci-fi and stuff it's pretty unique as far as the other characters in overwatch go uh and so that i think was another easy way to say like this is a very unique character that you can't play in any other team shooter come play her in ours yeah it's very superhero-y very like Mm -hmm. fantasy yeah i get that okay cool So now we are going to shift a little bit and we're going to talk about the formation of a group called Blackwatch. Oh, shit. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Nega Overwatch. (laughs) Um, So Blackwatch uh, is the covert ops blackout strike team that operates within Overwatch. Gabriel Reyes was selected to lead this new covert ops team within the Overwatch organization. So just to make sure it all stuck, 
at the very beginning when Overwatch was founded, Gabriel Reyes was the de facto leader. And then when legislation came in, Jack Morrison became the new commander. And then they created a covert ops strike team and gave Gabriel Reyes command over that team. And that team is Blackwatch. I'm sure it'll be fine. I've seen this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listen, he was the second choice. Let's give him something that is questionably moral. With with some with some very loose oversight, we need him to have his fall so that he can later become Ghost Rider and and save the day. What it is is that we need we need a squad of people to operate uh, under the under you know a guise of outside of, outside yeah. the law. <laughs> yeah, and and we'll throw the the title suicide on this squad. Yeah, it's they, we send them on the most dangerous missions. They may or may not come back. They're a a, a team or a squad of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right, right, well, let me tell you more ways that Blackwatch <laughs> is really just Suicide Squad. <laughs> so the post-crisis world saw the rise of many outlying organizations. One of those organizations was the Deadlock Gang. Deadlock was founded by four outlaws, including Elizabeth Caledonia Calamity Ash yeah, she looks rad, by the way. Yep, she's picture number 31. And Jesse McCree, who is picture number 32. Ugh. Um, as you're saying, heroes, uh, since I know nothing, and I appreciate <laughs> the photos you put in, I'm actually on the Overwatch website looking at each hero and all the shit they do as you say them. Um, Ash can summon a robot. Yeah, yeah his name is Bob. And it's yeah. the worst. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I hate I hate everybody in this picture, including Moira, who I main. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I definitely missed that picture. There is a Blackwatch picture. It is number 30. Uh, so if you wanted to see the Blackwatch strike force, that's number 30. Um, Ash is 31. McCree is 32. The heroes in this Blackwatch strike gang are not all in the game. They, they are. are. They are. Oh. These yes. are just these are just um, alternate costumes. costumes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. A lot of them don't have masks. Who's the yet. one? Who's the one on the far right, though? That's Genji. That's Genji. Okay. Yep. And I'll get to that here in just a second. Sure, sure you will. But Kyle, I just, it's the I, other ninja in Overwatch. I just yeah. like. Well, I I was having a real disconnect because I you don't see much of Genji's skin. It's often seeing his eyes are very unsettling. Yeah. It is. Yeah. The open mask Genji is very unsettling. Um, Todd, to answer a thread that you opened up about Bob the robot. So Please. Bob is actually Ash's longtime family servant. He is a Jarvis. He is an Alfred. He is whatever you want him to be, except he's a robot with a gun arm. Uh, Ash Perfect. comes from a Southern family with a lot of money, but a family that she does not associate with. And after like a life of being kind of a delinquent, runs off to join this deadlock gang or start this deadlock gang and takes at or takes Bob the robot butler with her. So she was tired of growing up on the cul-de-sac and yeah. was like, I'm out of here. The the taste of nepotism just got a little bit too sour and she bounced. Hey, I mean that's how the it goes. <laughs> that's, that's how the nep the nepotence goes. I'm sure this is he a, says this, from experience. Yeah, this is this is a movie that I have also seen. deadlock gained infamy and clashed with many criminal organizations across the american southwest deadlock even caught overwatch's attention 
and Gabriel Reyes was sent in with Blackwatch on a sting operation to catch Jesse McCree in an arms deal. With facial hair like that, how can you miss him? (laughs) (laughs) McCree was given the choice to join Blackwatch or go to jail. He joined up and Reyes became his mentor and he left the deadlock gang behind. Blackwatch grew by another member as they picked up Genji Shimada. He's picture number 33 in the notes. He is of Japan's Shimada crime family. Now, Genji wasn't interested in following his family's life of crime. He used his family name to gain fortune and do debauchery around Japan, but didn't bring proper honor to the crime family. This led to a conflict between uh, between him and his older brother, Hanzo. And Hanzo is picture number 34 in the document. Oh, look at that. He's, he's the one that everybody means. That was the joke for a while. Do you remember yep. 2017? I do. Year. I do. And it's so weird because now that I play Overwatch a bunch, I don't even know nobody, how you can main Hanzo. Nobody Why would mains you? Hanzo. He's impossible. Hanzo has literally a bow and arrow, right? He's brought a yeah. bow and arrow to a, a thing with guns. Yeah, but yeah. Todd, it's a cool cyber bow and arrow. Just uh, like Genji, Genji brought a katana and um, shuriken to a, to a gunfight. But they're super shuriken and a and a cyber k- katana. <laughs> That's fair. If, if I may, Matt, I bet it was probably before. Like, was Widowmaker always in the in the original group, or was she no, added later? Widowmaker was added later. Okay. Oh, was she? I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say. I wonder if it was because he was like one of the first like sniper characters, and his alt was like it is probably still his alt the worst. is so so awful. Doesn't he shoot a bow or shoot an arrow and dragons fly out of it? Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. that's his alt, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. And the, old and the dragons go across the whole map. Like yeah. Through walls. They're, well, they're dragons. So, yeah. Yeah. They're they're special beam dragons. So, this led to a conflict between Hanzo and Genji and the Shimada crime family tasked Hanzo to kill his brother. Hanzo believed that he did kill Genji and left the Shimada clan out of guilt for what he had done. However, Genji miraculously survived and Uh, for one reason or another, Mercy and Overwatch were close enough to the scene and Genji was turned into a cyborg by Mercy's healing abilities. That explains the difference in appearance between the two pictures. Yeah. I see. Yep. Now he's a cyborg. Yeah. That makes Which sense. Which isn't even the first cyborg ninja. Metal Gear Solid did that 10 years <laughs> ago. Yeah, I was going to say, that's Gray Fox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's Gray just Fox. Gray Fox. Yeah. Yep. Um, or like, there are probably 12 cyborg ninjas in G.I. Joe. Which is something that I don't know enough about, but I know that there are cyborg ninjas in G.I. Joe. That's fair. G.I. Joe is cyborg ninjas all the way down. Uh, check out our check out our Patreon to see how you can pay us to do a um a G.I. Joe flavor text if you want. I would would totally do a G.I. Joe flavor text. I would also do that. We have to focus. Yeah. There's probably so much lore. Oh my god. So much. It's an absurd. That's like doing a that's like doing a Transformers. Like flavor text. That's exactly Shit. what it's like. We would yeah. have to call in one of the guys from Candare and just have them do it for us. They would do it though. They totally they would. would. So, uh, the last member of the Blackwatch team is Overwatch geneticist Moira Odorian. 
Odorain, Odorain, I don't know, they never say her last name, <laughs> uh, and she was recruited as the last core member of Blackwatch. There's no information as to when she became part of the team. They just needed a healer, so they picked up Moira. <laughs> yeah, she looks awesome, yeah. by yeah. the way. Um, yeah. Todd, you'd you'd probably like her. She's got like a weird like vampire way of healing, where mm-hmm. you can't use her heal unless you've take done an appropriate amount of damage with her other ability first. Um, yeah, I'm checking out her her stats. It's pretty all pretty cool. Join yeah, us. She's she's, she's <laughs> who I play the most. Her and then Mercy. Yeah, she's definitely my my main support character. Yeah, when you when you play her though, the only weird thing is like you have to see constantly see her weird fingernails, which are like excellent. That's say no more. I'm in. You already sold me. You already they're sold bigger me. than like acrylic nails, and they like they look like weird like I old think they're claws. Like, I think they're like hypodermic. Like I think they're supposed to be like hypodermic yeah. needles on yeah, on the one hand. It's yeah. very uh, yeah. It's unsettling, and that and her controls are switched from the graphics. So you have to remember to either set your controls up properly or know that the yeah. healing the healing button is different than the healing image on the screen. But good way to take out Wrecking Ball. So yes. yeah, pros and cons. It's true. Uh, anyway. Cool. So we've talked about Overwatch. We've talked about Blackwatch. Right now, they are on the same team. Uh, Blackwatch is the shady, you know, dark ops organization that operates within the team, but they are on the same side. So let's talk about the villain of the story, and that is Talon. So the rise... Talon. Yeah, the Talon. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's not the best. They have a whole <laughs> IP of phenomenal names, like just really impressive names, eight way to Sunday. And there's a handful that are bad. Talon's not <laughs> great. Yeah. It's very like the Foot Clan, or the Soldiers it's, of the Foot. I was thinking more, he, he hits me as like a Lex Luthor. Oh, okay. So the picture you're looking at is not, that's not a person named Talon. Talon oh. is the organization. Oh, an organization. Oh. Yeah. I was like, with a name like Talon, like his last name is Talon. He's a business owner and he's a shrewd business his, owner. His name is Hammond Talon. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> Talon and organization. I get it now. That's better. I think when you're an organization like Blizzard and you're naming a whole bunch of things, you've got to ru- you've got to run either so unique that it's not copyrighted yet. Or so generic that no yeah. one can do a copyright, copyright claim right. against you. <laughs> yeah. And Talon falls on that side of it. I mean, I mean, they clearly Googled what is popular in 2015, <laughs> and then just stripped down the top ten hits to their to their you know to their bones and yep, blended it in their story lore blender. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's like going on a scavenger hunt. When you are in like fifth grade and you're like, where is the chalkboard? I found it. Overwatch was like, where is the cyborg ninja? We found it. (laughs) There's a lot of boxes they have to check and they're just working (laughs) through them. Yep. Very Street Fighter, which this keeps me. I keep coming back to Street Fighter. Like the like, I know we made a lot of comparisons, but I think Street Fighter keeps coming back. Is like Street Fighter is a good one. Yeah. They just they need an excuse to represent each country. And yep. to be like as as one dimensional and stereotypical as possible. And it's like, how can we represent the country in a way that you immediately identify it, but right. isn't super racist? Either? Isn't incredibly immediately <laughs> offensive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the rise of Overwatch led to the rise of a rival terrorist organization called Talon, who seeks to make humanity and the world stronger through conflict. 
<laughs> they so generically what? bad. Literally, <laughs> what Vision talks about in the Avengers when he says our our own existence like encourages people to be bad and challenge us. Yeah, yep. that's that's over. Or that's Talon's whole thing is we do crime because it's going to make the world a better place. Excellent. Yep. Got to do a crime. So Overwatch mounted mini operations against Talon under the guide of Agent Gerard Lacroix. And that's picture number 36, Todd, the one you were looking at. So he is yeah. the Overwatch commander who is the top Heir to dog. a sparkling water fortune. Yep, <laughs> I see how it's spelled. It's Lacroix in my head. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, but he's the top dog in Overwatch in charge of the, the Talon issue. Okay. So... That's on the Overwatch side. On the Talon side, Akashinde Adiemi was a powerful war profiteer who was working with Talon. He recruited a young, disillusioned Nigerian boy named Akandi Ogundimu and trained him as a mercenary. Now, Akashinde Adiemi was the second Doomfist. Uh, he okay. recruited Akandi Ogundimu as a mercenary. Now, Ugandimu came into the inner circle of Talon and saw an opportunity for a strong leader. He also took to the Talon philosophy of creating a stronger world through conflict and determined from that philosophy that he must kill his mentor. That philosophy right? and watching mm -hmm. a few Star Wars movies. Yep. Yep. Well, <laughs> and, and at one point being like, oh, you're the second Doomfist, so there's one before you. Huh. Yeah. Yep. Weird. So if you weren't here, that means there could be a new one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Stronger Through Conflict is like part taken directly from the Sith, like uh, whatever their mantra is. I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. Oh, yeah. Like the Sith pledge or whatever. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure you're right. Yeah. So Ugandimu murdered Ajiemi, took his gauntlet, and became the third Doomfist, and is the Doomfist that you play as in the game. So Akandi Ugandimu is picture number 37. He is the Doomfist at the current time of Overwatch and his pretty high up on the chain of command of Talon. Okay. Dude's got a big golden fist. Yeah, he's going to kind of do what he wants to do. A big golden rocket fist, Todd. Oh, yeah, he's, he's that's, super It's an important rad. detail to not forget. Yeah, a rocket fist with what's effectively a pistol in the knuckles. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. pretty rad. So, about eight years before the present time of Overwatch, Talon became more aggressive and began attacking Overwatch bases. After an attack on a base in Oslo, Reyes and McCree went to convene with Gerard Lacroix at the Blackwatch base in Rome, basically to figure out what needs to be done about the Talon situation. Lacroix, now I'm saying Lacroix, damn it. Lacroix tells them <laughs> that the talent agent, the talent agent, Antonio Bartolotti, who is picture number 38, was the mastermind behind the attacks. Antonio Bartolotti does not come back outside of this conflict, but he's so fucking smarmy looking. I had to put his picture in here. He looks like he looks like a character from like the that Brawl Stars game. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a there's a character with that same face in that game. He's got a sweet Bluetooth. 
He would fit very well into the arms list of characters as mm. well. Um, <laughs> that is not a reference I can under, I can agree with, but you're on your um, own island that, on that one. That joke is for me. I'll Matt's the only person you. to ever you, played that you game. You and no one else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and the other four people that are excited about the next Smash DLC. I'm pretty character. sure it's you, my friend Zach, and no one else. Yeah, yeah. Um, after we're done, uh, recording, shout out to Zach. Hi. Yeah, after we're done recording, Kyle, if you could get me Zach's friend code, that would be great. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so Antonio Bartolotti was the mastermind behind the attacks on the Overwatch bases. While they are having this meeting, the Rome base is bombed and many are injured or killed. Lacroix was injured but did survive. After that attack, Gabriel Reyes convinced Strike Commander Morrison to authorize an off-the-book Blackwatch strike to infiltrate and capture Bartolotti. It had to be unofficial, as, of course, Bartolotti had deep political ties and a front as a legitimate businessman. As they always do. So, uh, of course, with his ties and and all of the things, they can't just go in there and take him out or, or pull him out, and they can't kill him because he's got all of these ties. So a Blackwatch team consisting of Gen- Genji, Genji, McCree, Reyes, and Moira, infiltrated the base in Venice, and that's where things went wrong. Reyes opted not to capture Bartolotti, but to kill him. And the problem is that they came into Bartolotti's office after shooting their way through the compound, and Bartolotti basically said, look, you're wasting our time. I have political ties. I have business ties. Overwatch can't take me down. If you put me in prison, my friends will have me out by the end of the week. And Gabriel Reyes was like, you're right, and shot him in the chest. Okay. Yep. Nice. So, after he opted to kill him, much to the chagrin of McCree, the Blackwatch team had to fight off hordes of Talon agents just to get out alive. Sure. Yep. The death of Bartolotti spurred the rising in ranks of Ogundimu and an Omnic named Maximilian. I have a picture of Maximilian, it's just later in the document, so I'll let you know when that comes up. Talon tried to kill Gerard Lacroix unsuccessfully many times, so they kidnapped and brainwashed his wife, Amelia Lacroix, and had her murder him in his sleep. The Venice incident revealed the existence of Blackwatch and called the legitimacy of Overwatch into question. Amelia Lacroix is apparently not labeled in my document as picture number 39, but is picture number 39. She becomes Black Widow after she has been brainwashed by Talon. Oh, oh. that's not great. Okay. Yep. She's she's the one with the gazungas. She got the... I, I was just going to say, like, there's obviously, like, a variety of heroes in this, and it doesn't look like they, like, over-sexualized all the women. Um at least not in a like noticeably offensive way, which is usually like the standard. And then, yeah. I mean, they, they definitely stuck to that equation on Widowmaker. They're like, nah, but this is the one. Yeah. Like, and I don't like that combination of her being the like one character who like is in the game because she's brainwashed. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of feels bad. Yeah, yeah. Knowing that I just thought she was like a, like a hot alien. Like but a yeah. fatale kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, that's that makes it worse. I was gonna say it's like the one fucking a PG thirteen movie. It's like, well, you get one. You get one boob <laughs> yep. monster mm-hmm. and here yeah. you go. 
Yeah. So the whole deal with her was that she was kidnapped, brainwashed by uh, Talon, and then they sent her in as a sleeper agent. Overwatch actually rescued her, thinking that they rescued her before anything went wrong, not realizing that she'd already been brainwashed. She was activated Winter Soldier style, killed her husband, and then went back to join Talon, quote unquote, of her own accord. Um, sure. The reason that she moves the way that she moves, walks the way that she walks, and I guess their their explanation for her skin tight suit is that she was a a famous ballerina. She was like one of the world's most revered dancers and reasons. I don't know. Like Andrew said, everybody gets a boob monster. You get exactly one. <laughs> uh, she or uh, her physiology was altered, drastically slowing her heart, which turned her skin cold and blue. And num uh, and numbed her ability to experience human emotion. Yep, all those things. Oh. Man, that's I just don't like any of that backstory. Now the yeah, widowmaker it's... is Talon's most effective assassin, feeling little save the satisfaction of a job well done. She's like she's like a walking beta blocker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of cool though. Yeah, um, Todd, you brought up the oversexualization of the women in this game. I would be remiss. If I did not bring up the controversial uh, tracer emote that they had to pull out of the game because uh -oh. of her fat, fat ass, there was oh, literally she got a donk. an emote yeah. of tracer that the community was like, okay, Blizzard, maybe slow it down a little bit. Go take a cold <laughs> shower and come back to this meeting. And uh, they pulled that out of the game. Eva's pretty over-sexualized, too. Oh, yeah. she, yeah, she, uh, the over-the-shoulder pose, as it could be. Yep. Named here. Uh, and then, yeah, Diva is definitely the hub of the 34 when it comes to Overwatch, which is really oh. upsetting to think about because when she joined a mech, as a mecha pilot, she was 16, and they oh. never talk about how old she actually is. Um, oh. And that sucks. It sucks. God, just every time the internet can disappoint you, it it does, doesn't it? It does. It, yep. it does. Yeah. So the Venice incident revealed the existence of Blackwatch and called the legitimacy of Overwatch into question. That whole situation also didn't sit well with McCree after he watched his mentor murder Antonio Bartolotti in theory or effectively in cold blood. And that is where I'm going to take a brief pause. Uh, we have kind of reached the left side of the climactic hill, and we're about to go over the top and down the other side. So I want to take a quick break for questions, and then we'll take a quick commercial break and jump right back into it. Do any of you guys have questions about the characters we've met so far, how we get here, what's going on, yada, yada, yada? The only question I have, I think you're going to answer uh, and it is about Reyes and who he becomes, but I think I figured it out, and I don't want to ruin it for those who may not. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got questions about well, not I've got comments about Reyes, but I'm also waiting for for what Todd has figured out to happen. So I'll I can hold that. I'm trying to see if I've got any other questions. Yeah, all of my questions I know you're going to ultimately answer. Are we gonna find out? About the character Sigma. Yes. Yes. We okay. Are going and to find I don't out have Sigma. other questions. That's my other. That's my other main. <laughs> he, yeah, it he is. looks. He's got some some evil old man who messed with technology vibes. He's got the best <laughs> eyebrows in the game. Sigma's eyebrows are legendary. He's dollar store Magneto. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely yep. dollar store Magneto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So with that, we will take a quick break and we will be right back with the other half of the Overwatch lore. Hi, debaters. It's Kyle, just here to remind you that you can support the show by heading over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash debate this cast. And just by joining our straw man level, you get an invite to our Discord channel where you can chat with us and our other smart, attractive listeners, join in on Roasting Todd for doing high-intensity cross-discipline workouts, and maybe get the occasional invite to play Overwatch or other games with us. Once again, that's patreon.com slash debate this cast. Thanks for listening. All right, and welcome back from our quick drink slash bathroom break, and whichever one of us hollered at you for 60 seconds, parentheses, maybe the Wii Shop music or something Probably else the that we plugged music. in there. Um, yeah, we are about to jump into the climax of our story and the slide down the other hill of Overwatch. So I have titled this section, The Beginning of the End. About 23 years after the initial Omnic crisis, an Omnic extremist slash terrorist group called the Null Sector led an uprising at King's Row, London. So picture number 40 are the Null Sector Omnics or a group of Null Sector Omnics. Uh, really, anytime you see Omnics with a purple and white color scheme, it's an all sector. Oh, you know, that's who they are. Yep. <laughs> and picture 41 is King's Row, which is another map in Overwatch currently. Omnics were set to build their own town in London at King's Row when Null Sector attacked. The mayor of London, Omnic Monk Takarda Mandata, and a hundred others were taken hostage. That guy. Yeah, Mandata is a very are you saying, strange. Are you saying the monk? Sorry, are you saying the monk was the mayor of London, or are you saying the mayor of London and Omnic Monk Takarda Mandata? <laughs> uh, the latter, the latter, okay. the oh, mayor okay. of London and Omnic Monk Takarda Mandata and a hundred other people. Both, both equally believable sentences based on <laughs> right. the last two. Either hours one of is recording. nonsense, but I just yeah, I just kind of clear. accepted that the monk was the mayor, so <laughs> yeah, that's fine. No, uh, Madada is a very weird through line through this whole story, but he is not the mayor of London. Fair. So after the Black Watch Venice incident, Overwatch was forbidden by the UK government from intervening at King's Row. Jesse McCree, because of his Black Ops training, was able to get in and scout the area and communicate with uh, Jack Morrison what was going on. Morrison opted to send in a small strike team consisting of Tracer, Reinhardt, Mercy, and Torbjorn after a lot of pressure from Tracer, who is from London, and they were able to end the King's Row uprising. Tracer uh, was the big push for Jack Morrison to send the crew in. And this is also her first mission. So this is right around the time that she joins up with Overwatch as an agent and not just as a test pilot. Cool. Cool. So during the height of Overwatch, a Talon, a Talon council member named Maximilian, who I did mention earlier, and I just missed that in the notes. He's picture number 42 was out in the open in Havana, Cuba. 
Havana, Cuba. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> During a mission overseen by Canadian hero Sojourn, who is picture number 43, and is not in Overwatch, but is the one semi-confirmed character for Overwatch 2. Um, she is really cool, has a slick haircut, and a gun for an arm. She has a gun for an arm. She'll fit right in. Yep. Uh, so during a mission overseen by Sojourn, a strike team led by Tracer, Mercy, Genji, and Winston was able to track and capture Maximilian. He agreed to negotiate, but Mercy wanted something specific, a meetup with Doomfist, who at this time, unbeknownst to anybody in this situation, but we, the viewers of the lore, know, is speaking shadily with an unknown Omnic who may be part of Null Sector. So, Maximilian reveals that Doomfist will be in Singapore in three weeks. Tracer, Genji, and Winston try to take on Doomfist, but they are absolutely no match for him. Doomfist is able to smash Tracer's Chronal Accelerator, which reverts Tracer back to effectively her ghost form and disassociates her with the current timeline. This enrages Winston, who then punches out Doomfist, captures him, and puts him in a Helix Security, which is another company, Helix Security, international prison, where he has an extended stay. So an interesting thing to note about this exchange is that, like I said at the beginning of this, this whole team of three is no match for Doomfist. But when Winston is enraged, suddenly he is able to take Doomfist down pretty much with one punch. That is Winston's ult in the Overwatch game is that rage form. Oh, yep. What that ties back to is actually the negative effects on the other 27 gorillas on Horizon Lunar Base. So the effects of the genetic modifications that cause them to rage out and jettison the scientists into space, Winston is somehow able to control and basically turn on and off when he goes into Mm. Hulk mode. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So Winston is Hulk Ruffalo. Pretty much. Smart Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's really actually is more similar to Beast. He's very much Beast. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So... While Overwatch was widely popular and they had captured some talent operatives and were still doing piecework around the world, there were plenty of critics. Many stories of Overwatch's operations began to leak, and most of those pertained to Blackwatch. There were questions to the alliance of Blackwatch, as well as accusations of corruption, acts of kidnapping, torture, coercion, assassination, and gun running. It escalated to the point that these claims had to be considered seriously, and many of Overwatch's most revered agents were forced to retire in disgrace, and all of Blackwatch's operations were revealed to the public. They found out about Suicide Squad. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Amanda (laughs) Waller, is that her name? Amanda Waller got brought to justice. I think she's the DC person. I've seen that movie. I didn't watch that movie. I've seen it an embarrassing amount of times, and I still don't remember anything. (laughs) So public criticism of Overwatch reached a boiling point, and a number of world leaders called for it to be shut down. Oh, so we got our Sokovia Accords plotline in there, too. Oh, yeah, we did. Um, and, yep, that's going to be really on the nose here in a few minutes. Civil oh, War did come out in 2016, so that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in Brazil, 
the Vishkar Corporation looked to revitalize Rio de Janeiro. Remember, Vishkar is the Indian Corporation. They are looking to revitalize Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. However, this led to harsh restrictions and mistreatments of many Brazilians and basically forced them into cheap labor and slave labor situations. Local Brazilian DJ Lucio Correa dos Santos was unhappy with the treatment of his people and incited a rebellion against the corporation, driving them out of Brazil and stealing their technology. Lucio is picture number 44. And, and awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, he looks real rad. Lucio is, is very cool and incredibly hard to play. He's very hard to play. He's one of my like favorite, like like you said, Tracer has a very unique character backstory. Lucio also has a very unique character backstory that I like very much. Yeah, he's he's Jet Grind Radio. Yes, yep. he's that very much Jet Set Radio. I also found out uh, today that Lucio's songs that he plays are on Spotify, which I thought was pretty cool because oh. Lucio's music fucking bops. He is it a does. DJ and a freedom fighter. And he All has right. his own cereal, which is fun. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Are they oh, called yep. Lucio's? They, they sure Lucio are. Lucio's, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Good. All right. So uh, that is the beginning of the end. Let's move into the end of Overwatch. At the Overwatch headquarters in Switzerland, there was a cataclysmic event. To the public, it was labeled an accident, but it was actually a battle between Overwatch Commander Morrison and Blackwatch Commander Reyes. Stop me if you've heard this one before. It was a coordinated attack from the inside and from the outside. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Reyes had grown corrupt and planned Good. to lead a rebellion against Morrison at the Overwatch Swiss headquarters. The battle resulted in a massive explosion that destroyed HQ. Both Morrison and Reyes were believed to be dead, but their bodies were never found. This signaled the end of Overwatch. Winter Soldier is also my favorite MCU movie. <laughs> yep. yep, there it is. As the dust settled and the operations of Blackwatch became public, the UN disabled over, or excuse me, disbanded Overwatch officially with the Petras Act, making any Overwatch activity illegal and punishable by law. I think you mispronounced Sokovia Accords. <laughs> <laughs> Petra is another uh, map on Overwatch that I forgot to put a picture up of. I apologize. A statue of Morrison was then built in his home state of Indiana. I don't know why it matters, but it's picture number 45, because goddamn, is that a majestic statue. It's really good. It's a very right makes might kind of uh, pose there. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, but remember, uh, Morrison is the good guy. Morrison is the brings out the best in the people around him, so on and so forth. Presumed dead, but we haven't seen his body, so... He must be no, I'm, dead. I'm sure he's no, he's dead. We don't ever get him back. Right. <laughs> I'm sure he certainly doesn't show up as a main character in this game. <laughs> <laughs> so after the official disbanding of Overwatch, there is, of course, unrest and the second Omnic crisis. With Overwatch out of the picture, the floodgates of crime and terrorism once again opened up to the world. There had been a long-standing push for Omnic civil rights but the tension between Omnics and humans began to grow again. Large companies that benefited from the post-war world had become bloated with power and were doing some shady things to gain political power. Symmetra... Shocking. Yeah, right? I know. Since when has that ever happened, ever? (laughs) Symmetra had been acting as a spy for the Vishkar Corporation, 
on the Colado, Colado, it's Colado, on the Colado company, a rival for the redevelopment of Rio. This led to Vishkar destroying a Colado building, causing mass damage to the surrounding area in Brazil. Colado is another organization that doesn't come back. Katia Volskaya, Jesus, Katia Volskaya, the head of Russia's Volskaya Industries, had been doing under-the-table deals with a bunch of unknown Omnics. With Overwatch out of the picture, Talon was able to operate unchecked. While speaking at an event in King's Row, Shambali leader and the Omnic civil rights icon, say it with me, friends, Monk Takarda Madonna. Oh, it's that guy again. Yeah. <laughs> Was the, the mayor of Paris. The mayor of London. <laughs> London, damn yeah. it. Uh, Mandata was assassinated by Widowmaker. And th- ah. this is your uh, Archduke Ferdinand. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, this, gotcha. is, this is that point. This fired up tensions between humans and Omnics even more. A few years after the disbandment of Overwatch, a second Omnic crisis began in Russia. At the present time of Overwatch, the crisis is still ongoing and has seen the loss of 15,000 lives, although it is contained to the Siberian Omnium, that one I pulled a picture up of earlier. And the international community has been hesitant to step in for fear of creating another international force that would run amok like Overwatch. Now let's talk about the recall of Overwatch. We've seen Overwatch be disbanded, we've seen the world fall to shit without Overwatch, it's time to bring Overwatch back. So while there are all these things going on around the world, heroes continued to pop up in different corners, including masked vigilante Soldier 76, who is picture number 46, who foiled bank Who could heists. it be? Yeah, right? Who could it be? <laughs> Listen, everyone. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the Lord is being like, yeah, we, who knows? Who could know? It's like uh, Dr. X in Mega Man 6. It's definitely not Dr. Wily. Super not <laughs> Dr. Wily. Definitely not. Oh, it's Dr. Wily. Yeah, Soldier 76 is not Jack Morrison just as much as the Nomad isn't Captain America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can change your costume, but you're the same guy. No, he has a beard, though. Yeah, to show that time has passed. To show that time has passed. <laughs> Soldier 76 is picture 46 in the document. Uh, and like I said, he had foiled some bank heists and stuff. He has also been stealing tech from Helix Security and old Overwatch bases. Uh, Helix Security is important because one of 76's main abilities are Helix rockets. He stole those from Helix Security. Uh, yeah. Neat. Neat. Also, he has a stupid 76 on the back of his jacket, and it looks dumb. <laughs> so obviously, Soldier 76 is Jack Morrison, and that means he survived the explosion. But wouldn't you know it, Gabriel Reyes also survived that explosion. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, right? So he was likely badly burned in the explosion. We don't know exactly what he looks like. But Moira altered his physiology at some point and has caused his cells to to undergo constant degeneration and regeneration, turning him into the soldier known as Reaper. Reaper was what I was going for, but Wolverine isn't too far off. Uh, and he is picture number 47. He is Overwatch's resident edgelord. I think that's yeah, closer so to Deadpool's edgy. backstory. Yeah. But yeah, Officer Edgelord. 
Um, this will now be, I've been waiting all episode to point out the weird comparison that we, we've got two, two properties now with a, um, man with superpowers and a skull, like iconography named Reyes and they're unrelated and Reyes is unrelated to skulls or death. And I'm very confused by the parallel, but it exists. Is, is this Matt, is this the character isn't his reloading animation? He just throws his guns away and picks up new guns. Um, <laughs> the, the edgiest thing about Reaper is that when he throws his ult, he spins around in a circle and goes, "Die, die, die." I mean, at least they leaned into it, I guess. Yeah, Reaper, Reaper sucks so hard. They undeniably <laughs> leaned into it. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather them like go full on like Edge Lord. This is just terrible. Than be like, no, we're gonna make him cool and edgy. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's Reaper. Um, Moira has kind of a weird backstory. She hasn't been built into the overarching lore very well, other than that she was an Overwatch scientist and got irritated because she felt like Overwatch was holding back her brink of scientific advancement. Because, again, stop me if you've heard this one before, but she does risky experiments and pushes things too far and Overwatch tried to control her. And so at some point she leaves Overwatch and also at some point, likely during the operations of Blackwatch, Moira experiments on Reyes, giving him the powers of Reaper. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So Talon has been escalating its activities with Reaper as its new strike commander. Reaper led a strike team to steal a list of decommissioned Overwatch agents from the Watchpoint Gibraltar base. Uh, that's picture number 48. That's another map in Overwatch. Reaper was thwarted by Winston, who was living at the base at the time. Now, Winston's computer ops system, Athena, was able to stop Reaper's virus and reboot the Gibraltar system. When the base reboots it prompts with the option to initiate Overwatch recall. Winston smashes that Y button, recalls <laughs> the team, and has his first contact with Tracer since Overwatch was disbanded. Aw. Yeah. Uh, little blurb here. This is the action that leads to the events of the main game. This is when he eats a sandwich, yes? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is Andrew's most hated cinematic ever. Yeah, so that intro to Overwatch that you see is like Reaper, or not Reaper, excuse me, Winston recording his message to be sent out to the Overwatch team. Uh, that cinematic actually starts with uh, Winston trying to record a message and like continuing to mess up and be like, oh no, that's not what I want to say. And he has a dialogue with Athena, the computer op system about how every time an incident pops up around the world, Winston is ready to recall Overwatch. And every time Athena has to remind him of the Petrus Act and how that's not the right move and there will be major consequences and yada, yada, yada. And, and then he's always eating a sandwich. Uh, it, usually it's <laughs> bananas and peanut butter, but yes. Cool. So meanwhile, the superhero transition sound effect at Echo Point, Antarctica. Thank you. Dr. Mei Ling Zhao, who is picture number 49, awoke from a 10 year cryostasis. So let's talk way back 
to when I was talking about echo points in the post-crisis world. May had been assigned to Echo Point Antarctica to study Earth's climate phenomenons after the first Omnic crisis. Unfortunately, a polar storm crippled Echo Point and the scientists entered cryostasis to await rescue. They missed their resupply order, they're isolated in Antarctica, they can't get communications in or out, yada yada yada. Cryostasis, because somebody must be coming, right? It's not like there was a whole movie about this starring Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper, maybe? Chris I don't... Pratt. Chris Pratt, thank you. Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. And they were in space. Yeah. They had an awesome Coldplay song. Yeah, I didn't see that movie. Uh, May... No one saw that movie, Matt. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, I saw it. It was okay. There we go. So May was the only scientist to survive the 10-year cryostasis. All of the other cryo chambers malfunctioned. May was able to reestablish the communication system of Echo Point and receive Winston's reactivation message. She prepared for a long journey out of Antarctica on foot. It's a thing. There's not a lot of resolution to that story. Um, <laughs> also, it is definitely ensued that the cryostasis was not supposed to be 10 years long. Uh, when May wakes up, she says before she goes into cryostasis that she's leaving all of her devices active so she can have new data to study when they come out of cryo and when she comes out she's like where is all this data coming from how long have i been under and then she gets all the news notifications from the ops system about overwatch being disbanded and she's waking up in a world 10 years later and all of her friends are dead and check another box because we've got another trope nice so winston and tracer continued to act as vigilantes thwarting Reaper and Widowmaker's attempts to steal the Doomfist gauntlet from a museum in Numbani. Reaper also came face-to-face -face with Soldier 76 at a conflict in Egypt. Oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> Talon associate Abdal Hakim, not an important name, tried to set a trap for 76, but instead Soldier 76 attacked Hakim's base. Reaper, Got him. Yep. Then Reaper shows up. He and 76 reveal their identities to each other because Reaper has 76 at gunpoint and he's about to kill 76, but then Reaper is shot by Anna Amari. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. This is pretty crazy in the lore because everybody's thought Anna Amari has been dead for like a minute. Not exactly sure how <laughs> long, but it's been a while. Longer than, wrong, longer than Reaper and 76 were presumed dead, I'm guessing. Uh, I think it was, like, right around the same time as the disbandment okay. of Overwatch. Okay. Yeah. Her character is so cool. Yeah, man. I love Anna. I can't play her worth a shit, but I love her design. Anna's, like, god tier. Yeah. So, Anna had faked her own death after being wounded in battle by Widowmaker and losing her eye. As the story goes, it was a sniper standoff between the two of them as, like, the two best snipers on either side. And Anna was looking through her scope and realized that Widowmaker was actually Amelia Lacroix and hesitated. And that gave Ooh. Widowmaker the time to shoot through her scope and into Anna's eye. Ooh. Yeah. So <laughs> she just, like, dipped and didn't tell anybody she was okay. She was like, I just need a break for a little while, I guess. And faked her own death. That's fair. Yeah. Self-care is important. Right. So Anna was able to briefly incapacitate Reaper and remove his mask. 
Whatever she saw when she pulled his mask off caused her to freeze in shock at what was left of her former friend. That hesitation gave Reaper the chance to escape, but Anna and 76 unite with the common goal of stopping Reaper and Talon. Coincidentally, Mercy was doing medical aid work in Egypt. As she should have been, which works very conveniently. Yeah. Uh, It's like one of the few things that kind of makes sense. Angela Ziegler, the doctor who is Mercy, works effectively with the Overwatch version of Doctors Without Borders and is just Mm, constantly in conflict zones offering medical aid. Uh, So 76 goes to speak with Mercy and informed her of what really happened when Overwatch fell. He is aware of the recall message, but says, quote, let Winston play hero. I'll do what needs to be done. Mercy warns 76 that his personal quest for revenge will bring nothing, but he is sent in his he is set in his ways and believes in his own brand of justice. Tie that to whichever superhero you like. Pick one. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, Talon recruits Dr. Sebrin de Kuiper. He is picture number 50. Todd, this uh, is Sigma. Yeah, just having a having a real normal one, this guy. My boy. Yeah. So, uh, a few years before Talon recruited Dr. DeKuyper, he was injured in a gravity experiment. Gravity experiment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aboard the ISS, and that left him permanently, it's permanently insane and with the power to control gravity. He was deemed unsafe in the hospital and is labeled as Subject Sigma. Oh, it's this cool backstory for his name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sigma is recruited by Talon and continues his research to unlock the mysteries of the universe. It is believed that he does not know that Talon is manipulating him to use his research to their own ends. So he's just sort of the scientist caught in the middle. I mean, he's evil. Like, yeah, he's he's insane. He's a mad scientist. He's insane. He's not evil, Todd. Insane. How does how does gravity translate to like his telekinetic rock throwing though? He's I mean, he's using, using gravity, gravity to move things to throw rocks. Yeah. I mean, don't make I, me explain. To you I can how th- the Marvel me throwing villain... a rock. Me throwing a rock is also using gravity to throw a rock. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, but you have to use your hands to exert force. Those, onto those weird, those weird like orb hex hex like shapes. He's like holding have like black holes in them. Um, okay. I don't, I don't. Are you really I, hung up on this? I don't know what more you want. <laughs> You went on a you went on a, a whole like free <laughs> about the intelligent gorilla that talks, but this is the thing. This is the I line. feel like that's so silly I can just accept it, but this is like this is it's the thing where like they're trying to explain superpowers with science, but they're just they should have just let it alone. They should have yeah. just let it alone. Like he has gravity powers, done, fine, whatever. He has he he has telekinetic powers, great. That's I accept that. Yeah. Of all of the cinematics and the videos I was talking about earlier. Uh, Sigma's origin story is definitely the the weirdest, upsetting. Maybe the most upsetting is a, a good way to say it. It's very heady and very insane. Um, it's worth the watch. It doesn't really provide any more backstory to Sigma than what I've already given you, but it's it's worth the watch. He was not an original uh, on the original roster. He, no, he's a, yeah. 
Yeah. He was one of the more recent ads. I think he yeah. was like number three or four in the most recent ads. Okay. So uh, that's Sigma. Akande Ogundimu, who we know as Doomfist, doesn't have his gauntlet, is in prison, and literally punches the wall until he punches his way out of prison. I mean, awesome. dude's still, dude, dude is still stacked. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and has to have a beefy arm. Yep. Like, <laughs> Uh, Talon bypassed the security of his cell to allow this to happen. Ugandimu meets Maximilian, who reaffirms his loyalty to Talon, but then also tells Doomfist there are others out there who are trying to get him. And remember, Maximilian is the one who sold out Doomfist to Overwatch. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Doomfist kills this guy named Viali, not important, in Venice who is another high-ranking talent agent who opposed him. Then Doomfist and Reaper sit in on an inner council meeting of Talon, where Doomfist announces his desire to start a war. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Good. okay. Yep. Mo- motion to start a war. Second. <laughs> Doomfist goes to Numbani to retrieve his gauntlet, which was being transported to a heritage museum for Unity Day. He easily defeats the OR-15 security bots and with his gauntlet back, regains his seat on the council. Now, remember, Numbani is this incredibly technological advanced city and they use these OR-15 bots as security uh, because they don't have any other sort of police force or hero that lives in Numbani. But Doomfist wailing on all of these OR-15s inspires a young scientist named Effie Oladeli to use grant funds from the Adewi Foundation to buy spare OR-15 parts. Name of the scientist, not particularly important. She doesn't come back. It's cool to note that she's like a 13-year-old girl. Adewi Foundation, not something you've heard before, but it's named after Gabriella Adewi, or I think it might be Adawi, who is the founder of Numbani the city. So it's it's mm. flavor names. They're not super important to the story. Cool. But Effie uses these parts to build Arisa, who is picture number 51, a modified OR-15 with added personality to become the true hero of Numbani. Yeah, Arisa is kind of horrifying to look a, at. It, a robot centaur. Yeah. With, the, with a, with with a the gun arm gun? who shoots shields and has a bongo that powers up teammates. Yep. Okay. That hits the nail on the head. That's Brad's main. It is Brad's main. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on now to the present time of Overwatch. One of the newest talent agents is Sombra, a master hacker who is well aware of the shady deals going on within Volskaya Industries. Sombra, we talked about a really long time ago as one of the orphans from the first Omnic Crisis. Yes. Sombra is sent on an assassination mission with Talon to kill the CEO of Volskaya Industries, Katya Volskaya, who we talked about earlier doing shady deals with Omnix under the table. Sombra opts not to kill Volskaya, but to blackmail her with evidence that she is trading secrets with the Omnix. This directly goes against the Talon orders. After Sombra leaves, Katya activates Russian super soldier Zarya in retaliation. It's another person we talked about a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So 
a quick look into Sombra's backstory. She is, I guess, chaotic neutral would be a good place to put her. Maybe chaotic evil. She doesn't really align with Talon. Her goal is to, as she says it, make friends with the most powerful people in the world so that she can hack her way to the top of the food chain. Sounds like your typical out-for-themselves hacker character. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, right on. So uh, after she blackmails uh, Katya Volskaya, she lies to Reaper and Widowmaker, saying that the uh, target got away, and she escapes back with Talon. So while all that's going on, in a forest outside of Germany, the, <laughs> the last Bastion unit reactivates and befriends a small bird named Ganymede. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> so he's picture number 52. Uh, Bastion is one of my mains, and that is the little yellow bird known as Ganymede. Uh, if you are curious why he reactivates, it's from Ganymede poking at his head long enough, and eventually he just wakes <laughs> up. Is Ganymede also on his character model in the game? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Ganymede yes. changes with each costume. Skin. Yeah, That's pretty neat. Yep. Yeah. So the Bastion unit heads to its last known objective to attack Germany, because this is a Bastion from the very first Omnic Crisis, one of the Bastion fleets who attacked Germany when Eidrich uh, von Adler was killed at the Battle of Eichenwald. So he heads off to attack Germany, and while he is walking through the forest, he hears the sound of a woodpecker. Thinking that it is an assault rifle, that triggers Bastion's assault program, causing the robot to shift into its turret form and mow down the surrounding forest, killing Ganymede. <gasps> yeah. Remorseful, Bastion heads off towards Germany, now with only one directive. After it comes out of the forest, it crosses a, a grassy field where it finds the remains of other defeated Bastions from the Omnic Crisis, and is reinvigorated in its goal to attack Germany. As it begins to march, guns loaded and forward towards the German front, Ganymede flies out of the forest. He's okay. Oh, Yay! Good. I was I was legit. <laughs> That's the, I was sad very about, upset. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. thing that you just shared that I suddenly cared about and then was gone. Yeah, was taken from me. Yeah, Ganymede shows up and lands on the end of Bastion's gun, which wakes him up from his attack directive and turns him into a peaceful robot. Uh, I'll take a quick aside to say that this all happens in a cinematic called The Last Bastion. It is, I believe, the first of the Overwatch cinematics and I think is probably think you're right. the best. It's really, really good. I think it actually won a couple of short film awards it's very worth checking out. I I really really like it. Does does anyone know is this the inspiration for the um in in the adventure zone the the earth elemental character with the bird that they meet in the western town? Never watched Andrew adventure Todd. zone. Advent oh. the podcast, Matt. Yeah. Not um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I yeah, I don't know. Okay. I think that's like kind of a tropey thing. Is is it is it just a tropey thing of like a, the big the big bruiser character, who's like you know, 
befriended a, gentle, a small the gentle giant kind of yeah, thing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Like villain from top tier Marvel movie Iron Man 2, Whiplash has a bird. Yes. A board. <laughs> there is my yes. board. <laughs> All right. So although Bastion had not attacked Oh, I'm sorry, let me go back. Uh after Ganymede returns and calms down Bastion, he heads to Sweden. Not sure why, he just does. Now, as it approaches Sweden, Bastion has not attacked any humans, but fearing the last Omnic crisis and the one that's ongoing in Russia, the Swedish government didn't want it around. Decommissioned Overwatch agent Torbjorn offers to destroy the Bastion unit. But after encountering the Bastion unit and noting its unique peaceful behavior, opted to protect it and they traveled out of the forest together. So to follow another Overwatch agent, after the disbandment, Genji traveled to an Omnic monastery deep in the Himalayas, where he became a pupil of Takarta Zenyatta. Zenyatta is picture uh, number 53. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he is the Omnic monk that you play in the game. He has, I think, probably the best skins in the game. All of Zenyatta's skins are rad. Yeah. I want to be better with Zenyatta just because he looks so cool. Yeah. I played Zenyatta for a hot minute, and I was not very good, so I, I stopped. Tommy's figured him out. Oh, Has yeah. He? Yeah, Tommy's been great. So Zenyatta helps Genji come to terms with his existence as both man and machine. Remember, Genji is a cyborg, and this is a really weird time in the world to be both man and machine. And so Genji... <laughs> what a sentence. Yeah, right, I know. <laughs> Genji travels to this Himalayan monastery... Uh, to find peace with the Shambhali monks. After that, Genji returned to Japan to confront his brother Hanzo at the Shimada headquarters. Genji forgave his brother and encouraged him to give up his life of crime after nice. a really rad sword fight. Another one of the best uh, Overwatch cinematics is the Genji-Hanzo cinematic. And there's a really cool sword fight, and Hanzo doesn't think Genji's alive, and then Genji reveals himself, so on and so forth. It's very cool. So, another character from the original Overwatch team. After the disbandment, Reinhardt left to travel the European countryside and declared that he would come out of retirement as a knight to protect a world in which Overwatch was no longer welcome. Regida, his goddaughter, traveled with him and became his squire. She also was his mechanic, fixing up his armor and patching his physical wounds when she could. Reinhardt defeated a group called the Dragon Gang somewhere in Germany and then answered Winston's reactivation call. Regida tried to convince him that it wasn't his fight to fight anymore, but he said after visiting the body of his fallen friend Von Adler, that it will always be his fight and that he must go. After watching Reinhardt defeat the Dragon Gang and answering the call, Brigida decides that she can no longer sit on the sidelines and with the help of her father, finished her own armor and became her own hero. Again, her father is Torbjorn. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So, another person that we talked about very, very briefly, John Baptiste, last name, pronunciation, uh, question, Augustine is the other orphan from the first Omnic mm. crisis that we talked about. Mm -hmm. He goes on to become a Talon agent, but then decides to leave Talon. 
Uh, the ex-Talon agent becomes aware of Winston's recall message after trying to take out Bernard St. Clair of the St. Clair Pharmaceuticals Company, another name that isn't important, with two other Talon operatives. Baptiste's backstory is like maybe the most sloppy, in my opinion. Basically, he was in Talon, and then he left Talon and acted as a medic and, and did some other things. And then bumped into some Talon guys and they roped him back into a Talon mission and he felt like he didn't have a choice. So he goes on the Talon mission. It's confusing and convoluted. But uh, when they go to take out Bernard St. Clair, who Baptiste already has a thing against because he is hoarding medication that someone very close to Baptiste needs. He decides that he doesn't want to go back down the life path that Talon will lead him on and throws a flashbang to help himself and Bernard St. Clair escape the assassination attempt. After all that convoluted shit happens, Baptiste left the group to warn Mercy that she was on a recall list, which was now in Talon's possession after they had taken it from Bernard St. Clair, because Bernard St. Clair has been working as a double agent operative for both Overwatch and for Talon. Mm. yep but before he goes to talk to mercy baptiste contacts his old talon friend sombra moving away from that completely and going in another direction <laughs> a train is attacked at route 66 by the deadlock gang now under ash's leadership jesse mccree is aware of the heist beforehand and is ready to confront the gang I love that there's like just like a Wild West crew. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so silly. And I'm realizing that I left Route 66 out of this as well. And I'm really mad about it because Route 66 is a great map. But uh, I didn't throw that one in the notes. And again, my apologies. Um, anyway, McCree confronts Ash and he suggests the gang takes the whole heist and leave, save for one glowing white container that McCree wants for himself. A gun battle ensues and McCree gets the best of the gang, ties them up onto a moving platform, and sends them on their way. McCree opens the white container to reveal and reactivate Echo, who is picture number 54. Oh, it's, uh, it's the Wally robot. It's Eve from Wally. It's Eve from yeah. Wally. Mm -hmm. Echo, who had been in storage for some time, uh, is now reactivated, and McCree informs her of the recall message and says, while they want me, they need you. McCree also says he has his own business to attend to, steals Ash's hover cycle, and rides off. <laughs> now, here is the piece that I have missed up until I started doing the research for this today. Echo is the technological legacy of Overwatch founding member Dr. Mina Liao. Uh, She's picture number two. She's the one wow. who created the Omnix. She's yeah. back in the very first section of this flavor oh, text. Oh, interesting. Yeah. She knew that her time on Earth was limited, and she built Echo to act as her, basically, brain and continue on her mission. It's worth noting Echo is the most recent addition to the roster in-game Yes, as well. Yep. Like, a month or so ago, Echo came out. Yeah, and she is... Also, the last new character they're releasing before Overwatch 2. Cool. So, that is the 
re-rise the recall of Overwatch. Now let's talk about the rise of Null Sector. Null Sector was that extremist terrorist Omnic organization we talked about a while ago. They have the purple, purple robots. And, yep, purple and white color scheme. Mm. Oh, okay. Awesome. Cool. So for an unknown reason, Null Sector begins to carry out coordinated attacks at multiple locations. One of those locations is Paris, France. This is the cinematic I had all you guys watch before this started. Winston decides it is time to act, and he, Tracer, and a newly recovered May head off to fight. They seem to have things under control until a Titan-class Omnic, which is picture number 55, shows up to the battle. Winston is prepared to sacrifice himself, but at the last minute, Genji, Mercy, Echo, Reinhardt, and Brigida show up to save the day. A police officer of Paris, France, asks Winston, does this mean that Overwatch is back? Winston replies, yes. Yes, we are. Null Sector also attacked Rio de Janeiro. Lucio was there when the attack began and set off to defend his home city. Luckily, the new Overwatch strike team follows behind to help. Lucio takes the team back to his home base, where they surmise that if they take out the Null Sector mothership, they can likely save the city. Team overloads the ship's reactor and makes a daring escape. And that is all of the story for Overwatch that we have right now. Okay. Woo! Cool. One more thing, and then I'm going to turn it over to you guys for questions and clarifications. But now what? Where do we go from here? We know Overwatch 2 is coming out soon. We don't know a ton about Overwatch 2 other than that there will be new heroes, new maps... It'll continue the story in some way. There will also be new PvE missions and some single-player campaign story missions in Overwatch 2. Those will likely drive the story further and faster than anything from Overwatch 1 ever did. But now we have Overwatch back with a new ragtag team of heroes. That ragtag team includes... Lucio, Echo, Brigida, Reinhardt, Genji, Mercy, May, Tracer, and Winston. We know from newly released information regarding Overwatch 2 that the Null Sector conflict has spread all across the globe. It is unsure if Talon and or Doomfist have anything to do with this. Some unanswered questions that we have that there's just no answer I found to. Doomfist was talking to that shady Omnic at one point. We don't know what that was about. Baptiste contacted Sombra before he let Mercy know Talon was coming for her. We have no idea how that plays out. McCree rode off and said he had his own business to attend to after he reactivated Mercy. No idea where he went. And also, there are two new cinematics that have come out where Genji and Hanzo fight some, like, fucking dragons? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Genji fights this like giant dragon demon thing at the Shimada stronghold and then Diva shows up to help and then Hanzo fights a witch who turns into a massive dragon who then compliments him on his archery skills. I have no idea what any of that means. I saw those cinematics for the first time today. And that is It'll all I got. It'll all be revealed in Overwatch 2. Yeah. Yep. All of it or none of it. But that's that's it. I'm I'm done. I'm out. I'm done. What questions do you have? What things would you like to know? 
where else do what else do I need to say? Uh, I have one. Hit me. Okay. So in Mortal Kombat, you get all this backstory for all these characters, right? But like the whole point of it is that they're like the reason that they're all fighting. They're all coming from different places. A lot of them are on the same team, but the reason that they're fighting is they're in like a, con- a tournament. And I guess like most fighting games are like, yeah, something, something tournament, whatever. In <laughs> <laughs> um, Smash Brothers, they're all action figures or whatever the fuck. Mm, yeah. So like, so, but I don't, help me understand why then, like we've gone through all this elaborate backstory, but is there actually a game reason for why all of these characters are in the same place playing capture the flag or pushing a truck <laughs> back and forth between two points. Well, so the main thing, I guess, the driving factor is Overwatch versus Talon. At the present time of Overwatch won the game, Winston has recalled Overwatch, and so Overwatch heroes are starting to reactivate and come out of the shadows to fight off general term evil also at the present time of overwatch talon is ramping up its terrorist activities to drive conflict in the world because again talon believes that conflict leads to a stronger world and doomfist wants to start a war so it's really like uh they're either fighting against talon or they're fighting against overwatch some of these people are also just kind of fighting against Omnics, but may fall more to one side or the other. Like Sombra is sort of out for her own game, but is on the Talon side. And Lucio isn't officially with Overwatch, but is on the Overwatch side. So that's that. Because of the nature of Overwatch, you can combine whatever characters on whatever teams you want. So it's not like you have to only play Overwatch or only play Talon. And I think that kind of blurs that mm-hmm. reasoning a little mm-hmm. bit. But yeah. I think the in-game lore reason as to why everybody's there shooting at each other is because this is a world in conflict and there is a good force that has been tried to shut down tried to be shut down by the government. And there is a bad force that the government hasn't been able to handle. And then there are some other people who have been swept up in the conflict between those two organizations, and they're all meeting in the parking lot to shoot each other. Okay. It's it's fair. I mean, the all I'm left thinking when you ask that question is, does it make it doesn't Halo multiplayer <laughs> games were not made good because you're like, oh, yeah. it's it's Spartans doing war games. That's why I like this. Like I, yeah, I, but I Halo think, exists. Doesn't it just exist as multiplayer? Yeah, I know. There's a whole like, there's a whole thing to it. Andrew's, but I mean, Andrew's point in its current form, Overwatch only exists as this oh, hodgepodge of gotcha. good and bad guys fighting yeah, clones of themselves on the same team. Yeah. Like main, that makes sense. I was like, wait, you're getting hung up on that, but no, that's a that's a fair question. Then I have I mean, a I question, Matt. It's just the story and characters. Just a short yeah. clarification question. Are Junkrat and um, Roadhog members of the Deadlock gang, or are they just doing their own thing? Just bros being bros. They are doing their own thing. Their last known uh, uh, organization, or alliance, I guess, was with the Australian Liberation Front. They are now in a category called Junkers, uh, which are the people of Junktown. 
There is a queen of Junk Town who is the person in charge of the Junkers. If we don't get more Junkers in Overwatch 2, I'm I'm flipping yeah. the table. I think there's a pretty strong chance that the queen of Junk Town becomes a new playable character. As, as soon as you said that, I, my first thoughts was, Queen of Junktown, new playable character in Overwatch 2. Like, yeah. there's no way she's not. That's rad as shit. But, like, think about the possibility. I, I think just, like, the this stuff is so cool. I think my, my problem with it is that it feels wasted in a multiplayer game because, mm -hmm. like, and, and maybe that's what they're trying to alleviate with Overwatch 2. It sounds like a lot of this was also created after Overwatch already came out, if I'm... If I'm understanding correctly matt i mean most of at this point now that it's been out for yeah. four years there was definitely a lot yeah. of things that preceded the relaunch the relaunch the preceded the <laughs> launch of overwatch um but yeah at this point most of it has come out after i just think of like all the cool possibilities of having like a, a an actual campaign or just like pve missions where it's like you could mm. you could play in junk town and you know like in a marvel ultimates alliance style like okay, your team is like, you have to pick from all the Junktown characters, right? And like the, the map is, is specifically designed to fit, you know, Roadhog's ability to hook people or it's specifically designed for you to like go and send a remote, whatever the hell Junkrat does, like a remote spike mine down to like a sea of robots on the floor. I, I think there's a lot of possibilities with that. I mean, they've built this world. You know, I, I, I am excited at the prospect of seeing a campaign and, and being able to interact, actually interact with this world and not just like these characters that are, you know, it's more like it's, right now we're like playing a simulation. Yeah. 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 So the one thing, and this is, that's a great segue into my last point for today, is that Blizzard has filled out this whole world with two things, and that is their cinematic trailers that they have released and the comic books and all of that stuff is available not that i'm getting sponsored by blizzard but i'll pimp their website anyway at playoverwatch.com media and it's all available it's all free you can check all of it out blizzard uh co-wrote the comic books with dark horse and i read through some of it today i didn't get to read a full comic or anything but Everything I read was really good and really cool and really fun. Uh, and I think that while the game itself doesn't do anything to drive the lore, Blizzard has had the opportunity to build out a world and build out an IP without needing to keep things continuous in the game. I don't know if continuous is a word, but it is now. They can do whatever they want in the game. You can fight whoever you want in the game, play on whatever teams you want, because the game doesn't have anything more than flavor text. It's not telling the story. And I think that's really cool. I think it could be really bad if the cinematics they put out and the comic books they put out weren't as good as they are. But I would encourage everyone to watch the cinematics. Uh, there is a compilation on YouTube of all of the Overwatch cinematics for 2020. It's like an hour and a half long and it's incredibly high production value. It's very, very good. And I think if you like this story and you want to see it play out in more than a vocal explanation, watch the cinematics because if that doesn't put a hook in you, nothing will. It's similar to um, how, how Wizards rolls out Magic's story. 
you don't need to know the story to play a, the game. You can gleam, gleam parts of it from new cards, but al- almost all of the story is in supplemental material for, through Wizards 2. Like, you're not advancing the story when you play a game of Magic or Overwatch. You're just using these characters that they've introduced to make your own story, so to speak. Exactly. Which might not be a satisfying answer for you, Andrew, but that's, I think, what they're going for. (laughs) Well, and there's a lot of parallels to magic. I mean, this is to superheroes and sci-fi as magic is to fantasy, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Todd, anything from you to wrap us up here? I would, I'm actually pretty surprised how, like, without, I mean, aside from, like, small details, how easy of that, that is to follow. Um, Yeah. I was, like, much (laughs) like when Kyle explained magic, to talk more about magic, like, it's a it's a fairly good like through line like the overarching story is like oh okay that that makes sense granted there's like nitty-gritty things you can get lost in um but yeah i i thought that was good it makes me excited for overwatch 2 and i will not buy the first one (laughs) (laughs) my only goal for today was to convince todd that he needed to buy the first overwatch now i'll i'll give you the caveat if they're like hey due to design overwatch 2 won't come out until winter 2021 then like, all right, I'll buy it. But like, I've got another list of games in the way right now. All right, that that's a deal. But Todd, Ooh. do me this one thing. Um, the next time that you have an hour and a half of free time. Watch that cinematic. Watch the cinematic. I almost did, but I just real I was like, oh, the cinematic's hour and a half. That'll have to be later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I had you guys watch the last cinematic before the Shimada Dragon Fight cinematics, um, which is called Zero Hour because it's just so Overwatch prideful. Like, I think that I've, I've been too deep into Overwatch for a couple of days. I'll admit that. Uh, and so when I, when I finished watching all of the cinematics today for like the seventh time that I've watched all of them, when Genji shows up to destroy the Titan Walker, I got a little tear in my eye. I won't lie. I was a little <laughs> emotional about it. Uh, and I just think that it's, it's really cool to see the world that Blizzard has built in these cinematics. They're also always short enough that it leaves me wanting a little more. Um, and I know that Blizzard does a lot of shady shit and I don't want to just raise Blizzard all over the place cause it's Blizzard, but I, I can't deny that I think they've done pretty well with overwatch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the same thing as liking what Disney puts out. You don't need to agree with their practices to, acknowledge that you enjoy their art yeah and what a better way to end a podcast episode of debate this than by mentioning the negative effects on creativity that monopolies have and with that thanks for listening in follow along with the argument on twitter facebook and instagram at debate this cast and now you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash debate this cast and we would love to have you join us Come on in, join the Discord, have some new, fresh Debate This content, unlock the mystical fourth week. We've got a new episode coming out two weeks from today that'll be on Patreon for our D&D campaign that I know we're all having a great time putting together. But we also understand the world's sort of crazy right now. If money is tight, no worries, that's perfectly fine. A free way to support the show would be to tell a friend about this show so more people can hear our weird, crazy, deep lore shenanigans. Until next time, I'm Matt Cole. I'm Andrew. I prefer Battleborn Henderson. I'm Kyle. 
It's high noon, Harper. And I'm Todd, uh, pro Hanzo main Thomas. You would be a Hanzo main. (laughs) (laughs) And we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, then you can come fight us behind the swing sense, nerds. Andrew, I remember Battleborn. No one else remembers (laughs) Battleborn, but I remember Battleborn. (laughs) 